All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reese 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Hi, I'm Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. What's been so cool since we started this program is we've developed a tradition uh, with speaking with my pastor from McLean Church. That's the church that I'm a member of. And our senior pastor is Brian Kelly. He's been a friend for 30 years plus. And Brian, welcome back to the program. Great. Always great to be with you, Joel. Really, uh, really enjoy these times we spend together every month. It's, it's so cool. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an idea to understand that when we talk about things of, of uh, economic development and jobs and uh, health and education and so on, to make sure that we're uh, paying attention to the importance of faith and, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a, you know, our spiritual lives are an important part of our holistic approach to life. That's absolutely right. Um, we're, we're a very comprehensive complex uh, uh, group of people, and our spirituality is certainly a big part of who we are, and it takes us uh, integrating integrating all the parts of our life uh, to, to have a healthy life, and so, yeah, this is an important, these are important conversations we have each month. I appreciate it. Well, okay, so I think it's been a while since we talked. We've had Christmas since, and uh, last time we talked, we talked about the four elements of of Advent and um, uh, and uh, you know, did you have a nice Christmas? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, had a had a had a great Christmas, and and now of course we're we're into this new year, and um, it feels like this is really a new year in in ways that maybe are a bit different than than past New Years. Uh, beginnings have been. It, it feels like we're really, uh, we're really in the uh, uh, in the entrance to some new territory and on the verge of some new realities here. And uh, that's a that's a bit scary, but but also pretty exciting. What 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 do you think is is it all the pandemic that's precipitating what what you're calling a new reality when it comes to kind of faith and Christianity in, in, uh, in our modern American context, or has this been a long time coming? 
Yeah, I, I think we're just witnessing uh, things that have come to fruition that really have been in the works for for probably truthfully decades. And mm-hmm. I, I think that um, the pandemic will be sort of a helpful historical marker. I think, you know, 100 years from now, historians will talk about a, a pre-COVID America and a post-COVID America or pre-COVID world and post-COVID world. Uh, but the reality of it is, uh, I think so many of the changes that the past three years have brought to fulfillment or fruition are things that really have been in the works for, again, probably, probably decades. Um, and just like, you know, other historical markers that we have as we look back on our culture, uh, just are helpful, uh, demarcations of change in culture, I think. I think the pandemic is going to be one of those helpful markers, uh, but but the changes that uh, the past three years have brought about are really probably the, the results of, of much bigger and longer trends. I would say uh, if I were a analyst of a certain bent, okay, um, a lot of folks would put the blame on the 60s and what they would call like moral decay coming from the 60s that's causing this contagion to um to kind of shake the faith mores and i know i'm being really deep here but <laughs> you know bear with me i did take six credits of theology again but uh, <laughs> but you know what i mean i mean people people will blame you know the sexual revolution they'll blame the hippies they'll you know, uh, blame, you know, a lot of this stuff that happened in culture, uh, going all the way back 50 years now as being the reason that, uh, we're experiencing what we might call a post Christian era in America today. Um, is that even, is there even a point to that conversation? Well, there might be, Joel, but to be honest with you, I, I would go back a lot further than the 60s. Okay. <laughs> I, I'd, go, I'd go clear back to the enlightenment of the 17th and 18th centuries. <laughs> okay. And I would say wow. that, you know, we are uh, – that sort of uh, the, the trends uh, of thinking and the trends of approaching culture and the, the trends of approaching faith that really originated – uh, back in that Enlightenment era, uh, they've really run their course. Um, they've 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 come to fruition, and and their time is largely passed. And I think um, what what we experienced uh, again the last three years, which really again is the culmination of, of, of probably several decades of of change and transformation. It, it really, uh, I think, goes clear back, um, you know, several centuries to ways of thinking and ways of understanding reality um, that, that have really kind of run their course. And um, we, we've got an opportunity to, to to think about some things new and fresh. And again, as, um, as intimidating as that can be, it's it's also pretty exciting to feel like we get to live through one of these big cultural change moments, and I think especially as it applies to the church and to, to uh, spirituality on many different levels, uh, we're, we're on the verge of one of those big changes. 
All right. So uh, before we kind of dive into to kind of identifying those changes, um, let, let's talk about why you why you're pointing back to the Enlightenment, because um, is it that because as we learn more about the world around us, as, as science kind of rose, did faith have to kind of kind of put up its uh, its set of facts to kind of. Uh, either align with science or fight science? I mean, where's that all coming from? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's so much that. I think that the the Enlightenment brought, brought to our faith um, certain expectations of certainty, um, certain expectations of uh, individual authority, um, certain expe- expectations that... Um, we, we could know things for certain and for sure. And again, this was this was not happening outside the world of faith. This was happening within the world of faith. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I think um, you know again uh, what what we've seen you know certainly over the past several decades is that 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 line of thinking has kind of run its course in that we've become aware that there's a lot more mystery. Um, there's a lot that we don't know for certain, um, that, uh, things aren't as predictable or as objective, um, as we once thought they were. And I think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm certainly talking way outside my realm of, um, uh, ability or expertise, but some of the things that we're, we're learning from quantum physics these days. Yeah about um, particles and their characteristics and how, you know, they, they basically have, um, uh, you know, no, no independent reality before they're observed, uh, which is just fascinating. And um, I, I think that we're realizing that the, the universe and the world is, is much more complex and mysterious and uncertain as we have, uh, as, uh, than we have um, uh, thought of it as being, and the same I think is true with faith. Um, uh, from our Enlightenment roots, we we developed this idea that you know faith could be very predictable, it could be very certain, it could be very determined, and uh, we were kind of foolish for thinking that because certainly God is anything but. Certain, predictable, and determined. So, uh, so, so, I think so we're being invited. I, I, so, I make sure I understand this. So, basically, you're saying that the ancients, right? Whether it was the original apostles or the saints, right, from the first century or the first millennium, right? They probably had it more going on than what we've had in, in this modern era, and that maybe this postmodern era is actually could be good for faith in uh, yeah wow I, I, th- I think that's exactly right uh, Joel I think you know as you study the history of the church there have always been these cycles and these correctives and um, you know we were in a cycle for the past several hundred years and uh, it, it worked really well while it worked and it's it's kind of run its course and we have this invitation now to uh, enter a new cycle and to, to figure out what 
what this uh, what this new era is supposed to look like for us. And again, um, I think you know certainly much of the last thirty years we felt kind of knocked off our feet and a little bit unsettled about how to how to move forward. Hopefully, some of that's turning to an optimistic excitement about what it looks like to define a lot of things as we enter enter a new era. All right. We're going to talk about that new era, but we got to take your first break. We, we, we went deep into my, uh, uh, into my theology, uh, course back from 40 years ago. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's roll ahead here to 2023 and, uh, the, sure. the new series that you're spending, uh, here in the winter and spring, uh, at McLean, Faith for a New Era. And uh, we had been saying that, you know, the pandemic is kind of like a uh, kind of a, a, a new kind of a new cycle. Or it may be a, the end of a cycle. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's just going to be a convenient historical marker. You know, uh, people who study American history, you know, in the 19th century, you know, they talk about a uh, a pre-Civil War America and a post-Civil War America, sure. you know, antebellum America and post-bellum America. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's not because the Civil War changed everything. Uh, the Civil War changed a lot, but it was also a very um, convenient historical marker uh, to denote a lot of changes that weren't necessarily directly connected to the conflict. And I, I think that's I think that's what the pandemic will be, you know, a, a generation or generations from now as historians look back on it. It's going to be a convenient historical marker to say we we are in a new era, um, and that new era has been brewing and uh, incubating for probably a number of decades before this present moment. Okay, so so what? Uh, where do you think, uh, this stuff is going and, or does anybody know? I, I, I mean, do the <laughs> consultants know of what, uh, what church and faith communities might look like in this new era? Yeah. Well, of course we don't because you can't, um, yeah. we've, we've never, we've never been here before. So, um, we shouldn't expect ourselves uh, to know. We should instead be excited about living the opportunity uh, to explore and define. Uh, we've th- th- this is new new territory for us. The world has never looked exactly like it looks right now. And in terms of uh, the church, and, and speaking from the perspective of Christianity, we've got this invitation to live into this new reality and um, uh, define, redefine, embrace, re-embrace, articulate, re-articulate our faith uh, in ways that uh, actively and effectively engages what's in front of us. And this, of course, is what the church has always done. Um, the church has always had to re-envision, re-articulate, rethink its faith as it encountered um, uh, increasingly changing realities in the culture in front of it. And when you look at the history of the church uh, over a 2,000-year period, uh, you see these repeated uh, moments of redefinition. And I, and I think, again, uh, that's the moment we get to live in and through right now. Let, let, 
let's talk about what doesn't change, though. I mean, there are constants, right? The, you know, the 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 way the way the message is articulated may change. But, uh, you know, I always heard that the message never changes. I mean, uh, Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life is as valid as it was 2,000 years ago. Well, uh, you know, something that's been helpful for me, Joel, in thinking about this is, and I'm sure uh, most of your listeners have had this happen, you know, uh, you're, you're out of town somewhere, you're, you're driving, you're probably in a hurry, uh, to find find uh, your destination, uh, you quick punch an address into your phone. It brings up the address. You, you know, you hit start route, and you're following the directions. And all of a sudden, you notice that the, the estimated time of arrival is like two and a half hours oh. uh, away, and you know that your destination should only be 15 minutes away. And and you you, you know exactly what's happened. Um, you know maps has brought up the address, but they brought up the address in the, a different city. Right. You know, you're, you, you're, you're driving in Pittsburgh, and it, it brought up the address in Erie. Mm. And the, the thing is, is you, you have the wrong map for the city you're in. And I think in many ways uh, that describes where we're at as a church in this present moment. Um, a, a lot about our map is not right for the city we're driving in. Now, the truth is, there's a lot that's the same about a map in Pittsburgh and a map of, in Erie. Uh, you know, north is still north. Um, uh, I-79 is the same road in Erie as it is in Pittsburgh. And that uh, all too familiar, <laughs> make the next legal U-turn. <laughs> uh, advice that your GPS gives you, you know, that that's the same no matter what city you're driving in. But, you know, for listeners who are familiar with Pittsburgh, um, you know, there are all kinds of different realities in Pittsburgh than there are in Erie. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, there's a bridge you cross every other turn you make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're constantly dealing with hills and, you know, you can't um, – you can't drive in a straight line anywhere in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, and, and so your map for Pittsburgh needs to take those realities into account. Hmm. I think that describes what we're dealing with or what we're being invited to deal with as, as a church in this new era. Um, we, we need the right map for the city we're driving in. Again, are the realities from the old map? that are just as true in this new situation as they were in the old, uh, certainly. But there's a lot of things that our old map didn't take into account that I think our new map needs to consider. And it sounds like you're, you're, you're not talking about a stylistic change. I mean, we, we've gone no. from the, the folk mass to the Jesus uh, movement to, uh, you know, the, the, the purpose-driven church. We, you know, the <laughs> seeker church, right. the seeker-sensitive, seeker-driven. I mean, we've, we've had every, every, under, every model under the sun uh, in expression and in nuance. You're talking something much more fundamental. 
Yeah, because all those things you described are really just a reworking of of uh, old model. Um, and and I think and and again speaking somewhat outside my my field of uh, uh, expertise, but you know if you think about the basic structure of the church, um, it, it's been the same. Uh, since the since the 16th century, wow. um, you know it's been this um, you know weekly gathering of people for this service that uh, you know um, again especially post post Reformation has sort of centered a lot on um, on preaching or, or certainly in the Catholic tradition on the the, the practice of the sacrament. That combined with with music, uh, with prayers, with with some type of ritual, um, what we've done over the past uh, you know 500 years is we've just we just continued to rework that basic model and that basic tradition. Mm-hmm. I, I I think we're being invited being invited right now to maybe think a little more deeply and a little more creatively about what the real essence of faith is and what it means to be um, uh, the people of God in, in, a, in a new reality. And so, yes, the, the, the questions, I think, are much bigger, and the changes uh, that those questions are going to necessitate are, are much bigger. All right. Well, we're we're uh, just uh, less than a minute away from our news at the bottom of the hour. We're talking to Brian Kelly, he's a senior pastor of McLean Church. He's my pastor, and we we have this uh, uh, faith conversation every month here on Talk Erie. Uh, we were been talking about this new era uh, for faith in a new era, and uh, the first half hour we really kind of dug into kind of the historical context of of the of the church and of change especially in the last uh, 500 years or so but let's roll ahead to the 21st century uh and uh and uh what we're talking about here what you know what are we yeah. what are we looking yeah. at so well you know we we've, we've got a lot of things to figure out like we said in the last segment it feels like in so many ways um We've got the wrong map for the city we're currently driving in. And uh, while there are a lot of things about the map uh, that we've been using uh, that are still uh, still right and true and appropriate for the situation we're in, there are a lot of realities that we're encountering uh, in this present moment that um, maybe the map we've been using hasn't been fully uh fully equipped to address. And I think what we're given an invitation to right in this present moment is to to begin to look at our faith, maybe through some fresh lenses, um, redefining in some cases, rearticulating and reaffirming in others, uh, dimensions of our faith that are going to help us uh, navigate the reality in front of us. And, you know, fortunately, um, we have some really good tools to help us in this journey. And there are tools that uh, people of faith uh, have used throughout history to help them figure out how to uh, live their faith out, how to uh, live their spirituality out in the context that was in front of them. And 
as uh, you started to mention at the close of the last segment, you know, an important one of those tools is uh, are the scriptures, um, which obviously were really important to Jesus. Um, he would have been familiar with um, some of the scriptures that comprise our Old Testament, and he certainly uh, quotes them often. He's obviously familiar with them. He bases much of his teaching on them. Um, and, and we have them. We, we have them in our possession to, to help us um, understand how God is at work in the world. And it admittedly, uh, we haven't always done the best job at handling the scriptures, but when we can deal with them competently and, and authentically, um, they, they provide a huge uh, directive and guide for us in understanding what it means to be people of faith in, in any reality. Can I can I stop uh, but, you, you know, there a second, Brian? Because sure, you sure, said yeah. uh, competent and authentic, and uh, you know, in some in some of our history uh, as a church, a big C church, uh, there were people. There were there was a train of thought that said only only established and educated people could read scripture, and one of the mm-hmm. one of the things that seemed to be a good development was. The open, you know, opening up of scripture, especially, you know, Gutenberg Bible just made it, made it, it democratized it. It it made it available for the masses. That's still a good thing, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yet, as we know with anything, with any kind of movement, the tendency is for the movement to always go to an extreme. Right. And I think the, 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 the good movement of, of, of placing, you know, the scriptures in the hands of, of everyday people, of anyone, uh, su- such an important development in the, um, the history of Christianity. Uh, unfortunately, it brought one unintended content, uh, co- uh consequence. I think that was it, it created this assumption that um, you almost needed to bring no thought uh, to your approach to the Bible, uh, that um, it could almost be and say what whoever was reading it or holding it mm. uh, thought it should be and say. And um I think there's a there's obviously a, a healthy balance to strike there, sure. uh, where we affirm the the accessibility and the availability of the scriptures to anyone, but also recognize that, um, like any document, uh, they they need to be approached authentically and they need to be approached uh, appropriately um, to to fully. Uh, benefit or understand maybe their teaching. That's what I really appreciated about your last few sermons at church insofar as just kind of discussing appropriate uh, approaches to Scripture, you know, of understanding context, understanding uh, you, you know, uh, just, you know the, the lay of the land with, with what you're reading right. in front of you there. Right, right. And the great thing is you know, in the in, in the era we live in, um, there are so many resources that are readily available to help us with that. Uh, that again, um, uh, essentially anyone 
who who wants to try to study the scriptures um, in an intellectually honest way, you know, can find lots of help and lots of resources out there very readily uh, to assist them in that pursuit. But, you know, Joel, I think the the thing for us to remember is that historically, people of faith have also relied on three other resources right. that we probably have not talked enough about um, in certain segments of the church. And, and those, those three other resources are, are tradition, uh, reason, and experience. And, mm-hmm. and when you take all those resources together, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, uh, you begin to really have um, a, 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 a valuable asset in navigating the reality that's in front of you. And I think um, as much as Jesus uh, relied on the scriptures, he, he also relied very much on tradition. Um, he, he said, you know, he hadn't uh, come to abolish the law or, or the tradition. He'd come to fulfill it yeah. as, as if to say, if you understand the tradition, you'll, you'll, you'll fully understand who I am and what I'm about. And I think while tradition uh, is 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 not always correct, and it's probably never meant to be enduring. There is something about the movements of tradition over the course of history that, that a wise person would look at and say, "Hmm, you know, what what do I learn from this that might be helpful in the present moment?" And then, you know, reason. <laughs> Jesus was so big on reason. You know, he's. Um, <laughs> He's, he's always telling stories. He's always asking questions. He's always doing things that force his listeners' minds to engage. And, you know, he's, he's uh, found asking questions like, you know, how do you read it? Uh, what do you think? What do you see that it says? He's engaging the, the, the rational faculties of his listeners. And, again, uh, you know, God gave us our minds for a reason mm. uh, that, 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 that we might use them uh, to reason, to make sense uh, of our reality. And then, you know, certainly experience, Joel. Um, it's funny because in many ways, uh, Jesus probably uh, relied on experience as much as he did um, his scripture and his traditions, uh, but we don't talk about that very often. Mm. Uh, you know, Jesus is always nuancing his understanding of spiritual reality by the person in front of them. Uh, him. He's always he's always nuancing uh, his application of his understanding of both the scriptures and the tradition. Um, he's nuancing it by the reality of the person in front of him. He's always uh, He's always looking into somebody else's eyes. What, what, what's an example of that, Brian? Give, give, give me something. Uh... Oh, well, you know, um, there, there's, uh, there are a number of them. Maybe one of the clearest is the, 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 the woman who's caught in adultery mm. um, uh, that the religious leaders are preparing to stone. Mm. And, you know, here's the reality. Um, by, by the scriptures Jesus would have been familiar with and by the tradition, uh, stoning was an appropriate um, response to the situation. Wow. And Jesus, knowing full well that, says, guess what? <laughs> We're not following the scriptures or the tradition here. 
Uh, and then, of course, he turns it on end saying, you know, let him who's without sin cast the first stone, a, a phrase that we still uh, use in, in both religious and non-religious contexts today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus was happy to set aside the tradition. He was happy to set aside people's understanding of the scriptures in that moment and say, no, we're, we're dealing with a human being here, and, and this is not what we're going to do. Um, even, you know, you could, I think, make a case that the thief on the cross, uh, where Jesus says, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. In many ways, his statement defies uh, scripture, tradition, and reason, and yet you get the sense that there's something about the experience of looking into that dying man's eyes that caused Jesus to say, you know, it's going to be okay. You're going to be with me. So I think um, I think we've been afraid um, as of late to talk a lot about experience shaping our understanding of reality, and probably some of that goes back to where you started in the first segment of you know some of the more situational approaches to ethics that that maybe came out of the the decade of the sixties. Yeah. But boy, when you look at how Jesus. Uh, seems to always nuance, shape, adapt um, his understanding of spirituality in light of the person that he's talking to, the, the person whose eyes he's looking into. It, it serves as a pretty important model, I think, for us to consider mm-hmm. as we try to try to define our faith in a new era. You know, it's so hard uh, because... I mean, when you read about Jesus and how he reacted to the to the events that happened in front of him, it it seems like his responses are so radical. Yet um, we but in this modern era, we always try to try to put words into his mouth. You know what I mean? And and, uh, I think that's where it just gets so uh, it, it just gets so I mean, that all of these have to come to play in a spirit-filled person because, um, you know, the discernment, the understanding of the Scripture, the understanding of your experience and, and reason and, and the tradition of, of navigating this life in this era where all of the, all of the things, all of the, uh, all of the experiences that were coming against, the, the context of the culture – is just not um it's just changing under our feet we're kind of in the middle of an earthquake if you will and uh yeah you know and i and and i would say joel you you use the word you know a a spirit-filled person and i I would say the mark of that is is humility i Mm. i I think these things come to play in a humble person Mm -hmm. in a person who's willing to say "I, i don't know it all I don't have it all figured out. You know, I've got some ideas. There are things that, that I believe that have guided me well to this point in time. Uh, but I but I realize, you know, there may be other ways of looking at things. I realize there may be other voices I need to listen to. I'm willing to let God uh, do a work, a new work in me, if if that is that is what's required at this moment. So I think with a necessary humility and, and armed uh, with scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, 
uh, we, we've got every reason to be optimistic and excited uh, about this chance we get to, to define uh, our very ancient faith for a very, very new era. So you guys are going to be going at this uh, here at, at McLean Church in the coming weeks? Yeah, so this is, this is, uh, this is our series all the way through Easter. And uh, we're really excited as we uh, talk about a lot of these topics uh, in, in, in more depth uh, on the weekends. Find out more at McLeanChurch.org. That's my pastor, Brian Kelly. Uh, boy, a quick hour here, Brian, and, and uh, a, certainly a deep and thoughtful one. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com.